Welcome to the EquipCast for the Archdiocese of Omaha. Designed to help leaders to transform their cultures, to embody the pastoral vision, to be one church, encountering Jesus, equipping disciples, and living mercy. EquipCast number 12. I'm Father Jeff Lorig. I'm joined by my co-host, which he got an official title now, Jim Jansen. And if you're uh, live with us today, we want to encourage you to use the chat room. Uh, so ask questions, make comments, meet some new people. Uh, we love it when you ask Side a question. Remarks. It's just, uh, it's fun, uh, but it also, uh, it's a way in which you can use your influence to shape the conversation. And we would also love it if you just go ahead and you can check in uh, where you're from, what parish. I, I already put that on there. We have people from St. Columkill, St. James, St. Ledger's Mary, Queen, St. Ledger, St. Stephen's. Uh, so uh, thank you, uh, those of you who have checked in and, and are joining us with this live version of EquipCast. Uh, we record our EquipCast live every Friday at 3.30 Central Time. And uh, so you probably just go ahead and put a placeholder in your calendar uh, for yourself. And Jim has to do it. And uh, so you can go ahead and plan on this conversation lasting about 30 to 45 minutes. If you're not able to join us live in the future, you can always subscribe to the podcast. It's all official now. It's on Apple and Stitcher and uh, Google Play. It's, it's uh, everywhere it should be. So just search a quickcast, one word on your preferred podcasting platform. And if you want to go crazy, you can leave a comment. And uh, we don't plan to get rich and famous from this, but if uh, it wouldn't hurt. But to if it happens by accident, we're okay with that. Right. And if it wouldn't, uh, but, but it wouldn't hurt, um, just go ahead and leave a comment to help others find what you find helpful on these podcasts. Mm -hmm. So you can never miss an update uh, if you subscribe not only to the podcast, but subscribing to our our website, uh, and that's uh, you can find that at equip.archomaha.org. You get all the goods there, so you can just subscribe that, and then we'll show up in your inbox whenever we make an update to that website. Uh, so it's also where you'll be able to find uh, show notes for this show, uh, as well as past episodes. You also see the future episode registrations. We do registrations for this because we have to uh, do it through Zoom and to kind of so we don't get porn bombed or anything or worse. I don't know what could be worse or whatever. We just don't want strangers to come in. So it's nice that we know who's all on here and we're glad you're here. And uh, we also, not only do we do this podcast, but we also do uh, some, uh, some blog posts as well. So this last week wrote an article about budget meetings. I know which is exciting, but um, they were heavy and hard, and, but they were also very clarifying for me. So that's why I wanted to talk about it and share it. And, and hopefully that was helpful to... Uh, other folks going through the same process. Uh, I know Father Leo from St. Matthew's in Bellevue uh, shared it on his Facebook page and he really got a lot of it. That's, that's, mm -hmm. that's kind of the ultimate like win when a pastor says, oh my gosh, that was great, loved it. And then maybe even shares it with his finance council. And so um, that is where we're at today and all the things you need to know for us to get started. And today's episode, today's topic has to do with the ideal parishioner. And I asked Jim Jansen, the other day um does who cares about this like which priest yeah. is really asking it's like i wish i knew what the ideal parishioner was and and i i was really challenging him to say well what's the uh what's the felt need here like why why is this inner what's the hook tell me why this is so important mm -hmm. well i mean everywhere we go pastors lay leaders staff everybody's Everybody is often like, I mean, you don't have to work too hard to get people to say, 
well, actually, I'm kind of tired. Why is it always the same people volunteering for everything? It's always the same people. It's just us. We can't get people to step up. And I, I, think, I think at the root of this is really our, our notion of what it means to be, right, to, to be uh, the ideal or the, the perfect parishioner. So, Father, I want to turn this around on you. You've been a pastor, right? You've, you've had responsibility for this. Like, what, what's the ideal parishioner in, in your mind? Is it just somebody who shows up at everything? Uh, is there a certain financial threshold? It's Linda Asher. True, true. <laughs> uh, I, I know cause she's, she's the one person kind of sitting here in my video on my screen. So that's why I would say that. Uh, no, Linda Asher would be a great example of that. Uh, I had this conversation with Father Gruy who is our uh, vicar general. He's our pastor at Cathedral. Uh, that's where I live. And uh, it was a fun dinner conversation. And he did not describe the I- ideal parishioner. He, did, he named a person. Mm. And uh, so I don't want to embarrass that person. But he, named, he, he immediately gravitated like, oh, it's that person. So it's, it's not like it's sort of this abstract thought. It's, it's, mm-hmm. uh, this is real stuff that he experiences. And so this person at our parish at Cathedral uh, is not on staff yet runs our discovering Christ. She did it voluntarily. She wants more for the church. She wants more people to encounter Jesus. She has uh, some, mm. actually, if you met her, you would say, Oh, she's just kind of a, she's just a good person. And she's really nice. Um, but what she is doing, she ran alpha last year, this year that they decided as a parish to do, to do uh, uh, discovering Christ. And, mm-hmm. uh, but then father Gruy also just said, it's not, it's not just that they lead things. Um, she uh, gave us cake for Easter. <laughs> so there's a generosity. Nice. There's an, there's a, a, not just that people are generous, but there's an awareness of our relationship that she doesn't just work for us. She doesn't work, but she loves her priests. And, and that's not, you know, yeah. a qualification, but it's, we feel supported by her and we support her. And, and uh, so it's just that finding the way in which you can be an influence and people just basically like that, like this woman just saying, I know I can make a difference. Uh, and, yeah. and I, I, that's the person, I think that's, that's what you, you want a lot of people to be able to do that. That's the yeah. ideal position in my mind. Right. Well, there's a, right, there's a person, I love like there's a personal element there in that there's this, there's this relationship, but I love what you highlighted. Like part of what she does is there's this, she's sharing in the mission of the parish. I mean, you know, shout out, to, to Father Gruy in, in, you know, in these times, it's really easy for us uh, to kind of get into survival mode. Um, but Father Gruy has been one of those pastors who has, you know, let, I mean, it's the writings of like all the last popes and, and really, I mean, the teaching of, of Vatican II, that, that our parishes are supposed to be a little missional outposts, right? That we, Father, you, you said this before, right? Our, our parishes exist, at least in part, for their non-members. Sometimes we get so focused in on ourselves that we forget that the whole point of our parishes are to be little, little outposts, missional outposts that that are supposed to bring the kingdom of God uh, to to cities and towns and neighborhoods. And I love how like the one thing other than cake, right. That was highlighted about this parishioner was that she was sharing in the overall mission of the parish uh, to reach out to the community to make disciples. 
And I should also say that she shared sausage too from a locker, you know, okay, like a, a meat locker. Ooh, uh, yeah, you know that smell of a meat locker? You know, there's I, got a certain smell to it. And, and you know, it doesn't smell like Baker's or Hy-Vee or Walmart where you get all no, this crappy meat. It's like the butcher yeah. paper and the. Ah, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's uh, awesome. <laughs> so that, that certainly helped as well. But no, I. So as I can contemplate someday, God willing, maybe I'll be a pastor again. Uh, mm -hmm. I've had a lot of time to think about it and enjoyed my time in Creighton, Nebraska at St. Ledger's. Um, but the one phrase that keeps sticking, so I kind of create mission statements every morning I read because that's what I do best. I read and I study and I, I think about how I can apply these things in the future. My input has some output. So I've, as I read, there's this one phrase that I wrote down that, that seems to be sticking. So I'll go back to it. And I went back mm -hmm. to it this morning. And the phrase is sort of like the mission vision statement of the parish. And it's uh, to uh, unleash the gospel in the people of God to reach more people. It's something like that. Yeah. And, well, but, but the whole idea is that it's, it's not about like the organizational structure. The it's basically about creating ideal parishioners, ideal parishioners right. who let the gospel be unleashed in them and through them to reach more people. Well, right. I, I love that because you're rooting, you're rooting what it means to be an ideal parishioner in kind of a rediscovered identity parish. I mean, here's the, here's the sad part, right? So we like, why does this apply to us? Like who cares? It was like, well, if you feel in your religious education program, in your youth ministry program, in your parish in general, if you feel all alone, if you're like, yeah, I'm the only one, we can't get anybody to help and support. Why is it always the same people? I think the root of that sickness, and it's common, is we've defined our parish mission too narrowly. And when we define our parish mission too narrowly, and it's all about self-preservation, and it's just about taking care of ourselves, what we accidentally do is we've defined like the ideal parishioner as simply a consumer. And when we unintentionally send the message that, that this place is all about consumption, this is all about what you get and not what you give, then people respond that way. And, and I think it's, yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a whole like, communal rediscovery. It's like, what we exist for others. We've been remade in an image where we actually have a mission that is way beyond uh, this community. Because this community hasn't been called together just for itself. It's been called together for the sake of others. I often think about it as like, uh, a, like a membership to like Amazon or Costco. You know, like we talk about membership in the church, in our parishes, and so we often, I think, because we're great American consumers and, and I think our economy is begging us to do more consuming so we can get things oh gosh, rolling again. Yeah. Uh, so we're good at that. You know, if we got a little cash, we'll spend it. Makes us feel good and all that good stuff. Uh, but I think we, we sometimes translate our American consumerism or American membership to Costco yes. or Amazon at, into the way in which I approach church. So when we become a member of the church, it's not because I get all this stuff. I actually be, it's, it's more like I become an employee of the church. Well, it's uh, kind of like enlisting in the army. Yeah. Like yeah. when you, when you join this church, it's not because you're going to get stuff. It's because you're going to go do stuff. Well, you're you going to get stuff we, for sure. Yeah, you do. But, 
but like when you join the army, you get stuff too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but all of that, all that cool gear you get when you join the army has a purpose. Uh, it has a purpose and a mission uh, that's, you know, that's bigger than, uh, you know, than just, just the army. It, it's, it's all, I mean, it, yeah. Oh yeah. I love that. Yeah. So uh, I often think there's not a lot of pastors uh, listening because they're busy trying to figure out how they're going to open up their churches again. Uh, yeah. And you know, I, everybody's out there with tape measures in the, in the sanctuary right now, like figuring yeah, out like how far apart out. they need to stand. I often think like this. So this is a question about ideal person. So I've certainly sat around and thought about it. I had a great dinner conversation about it. We've talked about it. Um, but uh, is this, is this podcast, uh, what are we talking about? Is this, a, could this also serve as a formation opportunity for the people listening? Yeah. So I'll, I'll give an example here of like, uh, I think one of my, um, one of my examples, again, real person, right. Of a ideal parishioner. Um, I think about a, a woman named Chris Berkey. Um, before I, I came to Omaha, uh, we were friends in, uh, the, the parish I was, I was at before. And, uh, she actually works at the, at the med center. Uh, she's a nurse, nurse, pack, nurse practitioner, runs a clinic. Uh, runs a, a wound care clinic um, for people with like really intense wounds. So that's like, if you're reading between the lines, um, she has a really intense, gross job. Um, you know, people who can't, they can't heal because of, you know, some other underlying condition or something else. She's an expert in that. And she is, she is a, a, a medical missionary. Um, her car just says news, nurse practitioner, you know, clinic director. But what she does is she brings the gospel to her nurses and to her patients. And it's not because she's a super extrovert and she's preaching all the time. It's because she does stuff only because of God's power, like living in her life, because some of the stuff is just really gross. Um, she does that through God's power. And her fellow nurses marvel. I can't believe you were so patient. That guy was such a jerk. You know, I can't believe it. And, and what she does is she brings the gospel into the lives of these patients, into her coworkers. Um, in some ways, she's the, ideal, uh, she's the ideal parishioner because right, she's like this little, little apostle from her parish into the med center. And I've often thought like, man, wouldn't it be cool if, uh, if our parishes would start to think about like, where, where's our mission field? And some of that, of course, is going to be geographic. But what if we started to think of our mission field based off the, the particular um, places where God is carrying our members? Like, what if we, what if we measured the, the impact and the size of our churches? Uh, what if we measured that not so much by our our seating capacity, but our sending capacity, our ability to actually get people into the lives of others who need the good news. Hey, you know, we were, uh, oh gosh, right before we closed everything down. Uh, so I don't know, I can't remember how long ago that was, a month ago, whatever. I just remember being at a meeting with the Global Leadership Summit leaders from Omaha. So I got a chance to be yeah. with like like Pastor Mark Ashton from Christ Community Church and Pastor uh, Les Beecham from from LifeGate, and uh, and then there's some other pastors there. They're they're part of a, a they 
they're not part of the same denomination, but part of the same values called uh, uh, within reach. And uh, yeah. so I, if you don't know this yet, if you're listening, I'm like, oh, what are the, so these are basically evangelical churches, but they're just kicking butt. Like they, they, you know, this is, they have a long history here, but there's a tremendous engagement from, from the people that, that come there and, and uh, mm-hmm. they do amazing works throughout, throughout Omaha. And uh, so, and that's not to take anything away from, from what we do in our parishes. We certainly do amazing things, but one of the, so they asked, just asked the, the question of uh, what are you guys dreaming of for your churches? Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember one of the, one of the guys, I may, might've been pastor less. I'm not sure. He just said, I, I am just dreaming that the, the kingdom would have so much reach through every person that knows Jesus, that Jesus would become famous wherever they go. Yeah. But right. Because of this person. Yeah. yeah. This person. Let's make Jesus famous. Yeah. That's right. I mean, that's like, yeah, that's like Chris Berkey, Berkey story story. She shows up uh, at these like, professional conferences and just in her everyday job and there's something so exceptional happening in her life that i mean literally god is glorified by that and man does every profession need that now do married couples this is not on our script not that we really are following a script quite honestly uh um do married couples think about the ideal wife? I remember when I was a teenager, we used to talk about, oh, the ideal girl. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. And uh, do you, I mean, right now it's, it's too late for you, right? You've already found the ideal yeah. woman, right? Yeah. Yeah. I was like, no, don't say too late. Say I've, you've already won <laughs> <laughs> the game. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think part of it is like, I mean, it's back to this, like, well, what's the, what's the, what's the purpose? I mean, I remember, I, I'll confess, I right, played the same, same game as a young man, imagining, you know, what the, what the ideal girl or woman or wife would be. And man, when, when I misdefined the purpose of marriage, you know, when I thought it was just about, right, like, uh, when I thought it was just about kind of like a, a superficial uh, happiness, like my... All the things on my list, um, well, they, they change when you actually get into marriage. And, and hair color and eye color and height matter a lot less than patience and kindness and like diligence. And, like, and now, now, don't you think it's now your task is not to find the ideal wife? The task now is to become the ideal husband. Yeah, absolutely. And so I think that's the, the framework to continue the podcast to, to think about it's not just how do we find those ideal parishioners and how do we make them it's more like those of us who are listening mm-hmm. um, we have a sense of of becoming the ideal or basically the yes. the, the 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 person god has, has created us to be to, to yeah. maximize all of the potential the lord has already given us and to bring that to life um, that he would he would come to life even more within us right just this is the whole idea of being Christian is that we don't just follow philosophy. We don't just practice skills and get better at them, but that he becomes more alive. Man fully alive is the glory of God. And so man fully yeah. alive is when God is fully alive with him. So that's the ideal parishioner. And, okay. and I don't have much influence on, I do have some influence on other people, but 
what, what I do have influence is I can become the ideal priest. And how do you even figure that out? Like, well, so, I mean, that's what I want to ask you. So let's say, I mean, concrete obstacle, like for many of us, our lives are so full. We're running so fast that the joy and the peace and those things that attract uh, those who aren't in a relationship with the Lord, those things get sucked right out of us. And for many of us, because we, we're just doing too much and we're doing too much because we're trying to like, right. We're trying to, to keep the institution afloat. We're trying to be the ideal parishioner. So let me ask you, father, how, how do I as a parishioner know when to say yes and when to say no, right? I know so many people that they're like, they're like, oh, nice. How long have you been organizing the craft fair? You know, it's like, well, it was 20 years ago. I was coming out of mass and the previous pastor caught me in a moment of weakness and I've been doing it ever since. So like, how do you, that's probably not great discernment. Like, how do you know if you're supposed to say yes or no to something? Yeah, yeah. Uh... Well, because we certainly have taken on the warm body mentality, right? That's been sort of our strategic planning. Like, is there a warm body? We put a mirror up against their nose. Are they breathing? All right, you could be a you could be the fourth grade uh, religious ed teacher. Yeah, you're on the committee. <laughs> yeah, you're you're in. Uh, congratulations. Um, no, I often heard people say, um, "I did my time. I was on the parish council. I was on finance that sounds, council." That sounds like prison. That's what people say. <laughs> No, it's so true. Like the, I did my time. Now it's time for those, those younger people to suffer through it. Like I had to, uh, so no, I don't know why they don't come. Yeah. I don't, I don't know why young people don't want to be part of our, our parish. Uh, no, I, what I highly recommend is, uh, first and foremost, get a prayer life, like listen. And, uh, yeah. it's that awareness. So we talk about self-awareness. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the more I think about it, I asked, I asked father Dan Andrews once we were on a ski trip drive once. And, uh, we were just talking about what's a, what is a leader? Like what, if we were talking about priests mm-hmm. and priests becoming leaders, his first words were like self-aware. And that's always stuck with me. Like the first thing you need from any leader, from any person. And I think it's just self-growth self-knowledge is Am I aware of, of who I am? Am I aware, not just like, where, am I aware of my gifts? That's all important, but like all the things that are kind of moving interiorly. So am I yeah. motivated by love or guilt? Um, yeah. I, and even when I used to teach prayer, not that I, I mean, I still teach people how to pray, but I would have like formal classes. We, I, the first thing I would ask them is, why are you here? You know, that's a stupid sort of like everybody starts their classes. Why, are, why do you think you're, why do you think the Lord, but like, no, like, are you here because of guilt? Because you, you don't think you're good enough at prayer? Or do you have this sense of that God has more for you? That God mm-hmm. wants to use this time. He wants to use you or he wants to love you. Just, that's it. Like, it's not motivated out of anything other than, than yeah. uh, a, a sense of being called. And so there's a real discernment to that. So to have sort of a, an interior life of becoming aware of, and so it doesn't mean you have to be like John Paul II lying prostrate yeah. on the floor type prayer life. It's just 10, 20 minutes of, of quieting uh, ourselves before the Lord or, um, or just having a little bit quieter life. I was, I, I tuned in. I'm a Facebook scroller. I apologize. Mm-hmm. I, I confess guilty uh, pleasure, sure. right? I complain about it, but I do it. <laughs> Sorry, I'm so embarrassed that you all. Yeah. I'm not the we'll, only. We'll, one. we'll edit it out. We promise. <laughs> but uh, phrase it, Facebook scroller. Do, 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 do. And I saw Father. Uh, well, then uh, 
used to be called Father Hannafelt, now Bishop Hannafelt, doing a great interview with the superintendent there from Grand Island. And uh, he really, now Father, or Bishop Joe, Bishop Hannafelt was one of the busiest guys in the world. Mm-hmm. And, and even when he was a priest here, just busy, busy, busy. He's just a busy body. And he was just saying like, I, I am so kind of enjoying this uh, because I think it's allowed us all to pause and to be mm-hmm. less busy and we're much more reflective about the things that are important. So for what it's worth, I, I think we've all been experienced, but also know that many of us are busier than ever and we really haven't had a chance to pause. Um, so I don't care if you got a, you got pandemic and things are closed down or whether it's the normal or the new normal, but whichever normal it is, yeah. I think we have, because of our human fallen human nature, we need to feel like, uh, this desire to be busy because when then we're productive and then we're more human and there's nothing about being human to be productive. We're human beings, not human doings. And that's a line from father hazing that I stole. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, get out of my journal because I mean, I, I, I shared this, you know, with, with some friends, but one of the biggest, I think, grieving moments of this whole pandemic for me has been the recognition that things have not slowed down for me. Uh, now they have a little bit, you know, some youth, youth sports and activities are not there. Uh, but what I started to recognize was the speed of my life in many ways is not circumstantial, meaning it's not because of some outside force. It's because of some inside force, right? It's, it's me. And I know for me is I'm trying to decide what to say yes to and what to say no to. And I'm, I'm an, you know, I'm an extrovert. The, the key is is if I know where the Lord has really called me, where he's, where he's drawing me right now, then I have the freedom to say no. But to put, it, to put it another way, like I can't say no without having a deeper yes. And, and it's that recognition that, okay, it's, it's time to go be a dad. It's time to wrestle. Or I'm just in a special season right now with toddlers and teenagers that it's, it's the recognition of that and it's the embracing of that. It's that yes that lets me say no to a whole bunch of other things that sound fun or that falsely promise me importance or significance. Um, that's a Matthew Kelly line. That's it, right? You can't say no without having a deeper yes. And I refuse to do the Australian accent. <laughs> Thank you. Everybody appreciates it. You're welcome. <laughs> oh, great. Totally fail. Uh, yeah. Um, I, I am good at saying no, because uh, I, I have to believe well, it. I admire I have, that about you. Uh, it, and I sometimes tell, I, I joke and I say, well, I'm kind of lazy. So I look at your calendar and I look at my calendar. <laughs> and I, like, I'm your boss and I'm supposed to be the busy one. And you know, like, I'm on, the, on these leadership teams and committees and priest council. And, You're and, the uh, smart one. And I think, well, maybe I'm not working hard enough. Maybe I'm not doing enough. Mm. And I, so I kind of, I, I feel guilty about not having a full calendar. And, uh, and then I look at your, and I, I honestly, I get jealous of you. I'm like, he's doing so much good work and I'm just sitting here. What, what am I sitting here? Well, guess what? I, I'm thinking, I'm reading, yeah. I'm studying, I'm praying. I'm, I'm talking to certain people. I'm, what I'm doing is living out of my strengths. Yeah. And well, I, I am wired totally different than you. And oh my goodness. God wants to use me differently than he wants to use you. So comparing yourself to other people is, is not a good, uh, not a good method. Uh, I wouldn't, I, that's not a good rule of discernment. Look at your, yeah. St. Ignatius never said, look at the guy uh, 
your neighbor and uh, you should do what he's doing. Either feel guilty or feel proud. That's not a good rule of discernment. It's yeah. figure out what you're good at, how you're wired. Well, right. And I mean, that's part of like, how do I know when to say yes and when to say no for a particular like job at a parish or an opportunity to serve? Well, where am I gifted? I mean, at, at a certain point, you, you quoted St. Irenaeus earlier, right? The glory of God is man fully alive. If he did indeed make each of us to play a particular role in the body and he gifted us accordingly, it should feel good to serve how we're made. Right. It, there, there's, I mean, it's just, a, a, it's not the only point of discernment, but it is not an insignificant point of discernment to say like, do you find joy in this? Right. Are you good at this? Um, I mean, there's just so many areas, you know, one of which would be logistical organization that I'm just, you know, it's a real easy no for me, you know, uh, if I'm asked to do that, cause it's just not a good fit, but there are a lot of things that like, Oh, I love that. And when you find peace and joy in serving in a particular place, that, that I think is, is a really good mark that you're in the right spot. I liked what you said in our one-on-one the other day. So there's no HIPAA, role, HIPAA laws for one-on-one manager no, conversations. Except for the part where we were talking about my uh, illness, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, that and you're, how you're going to get fired if you keep doing that. No, we don't talk yeah. about that. No, uh, you shared, I, I challenged you to... I just said, sometimes, Jim, I notice that you feel like you need to be part of every meeting and, mm. and like, you got to do this. You got to, you got to sure. be there. And I'm just kind of, I was just challenging you, let, let your people, um, and I know you do it. You're a great team mm-hmm. leader. Uh, so, so it's, you know that, and uh, I want to affirm you in that at the same time, I was just noticing a tendency to like, why is, why is your calendar so full and mm-hmm. why are you jumping around at all these different things and if, having to get your feet in everything and your hands like I got to And I'm sitting here and thinking, because I often sit there and like, oh, let, let that pastor figure that out. Or they should have a leadership team and they should be like, I'm not going to go hold their hands. But I loved what you said where you said, I'm beginning to recognize that I'm a, I, there might be some other meetings. I show up for those meetings. I'm there for 20 minutes. I use my gifts and then I leave. And the way you described it is I, I listen. Uh, I take it all in uh, because you're strategic. You're building a map. That's, that's your your mm-hmm. your strength and your and it is a strength not just a raw talent you you take it all in you you figure you kind of see the path you uh you focus in that's one of your other strengths you focus it and mm-hmm. you you say very clearly what maybe the, the what the next steps could be and that helps that team move forward and then you move on to mm-hmm. the next meeting so i think it's it's a perfect example how you've learned how to use your strengths in a strategic way and not be, you've learned how to say no, because you're saying yes to how you're mm-hmm. created. Yeah, it, it's amazing how I get, right? Like self-knowledge is amazingly free. That, what you talked about, like freeing, is like, am I saying yes to this because of love or guilt? You know, am I, w- am I made for this? Does, it, does, this, does, it, does this fit uh, who I am? Am I finding peace and joy? Um, I mean, you, I think I shared this with, with you before, but one of the personal disciplines that I do um, is I keep a stop doing list and I log all the things that I have said no to because I go back uh, a week or a month later and I'm like, gosh, it was so hard to say no to that. And then I look at it a week later, I'm like, well, that was easy. Why did I even consider that? Right? So in the moment, I'll, 
I, I reinforce that. And then there are things that like everybody has a right, a to-do list. But when you have a stop doing list, sometimes you can't stop doing things immediately, right? If you're that, that person and you're listening right to this, you know, live, you're in the podcast and you're the one who said yes to father in a moment of weakness, you know, 20 years ago, uh, your, your pastor, you know, unintentionally guilted you into something and you said, yes, please don't quit like tomorrow. Um, part of what I have on my stop doing list is there's things that I know I need to stop doing and I need to kind of plan out my exit strategy. I need to invite someone in and help them learn to do what I'm doing. And part of what I look for is I look for the people like, okay, who would enjoy this? Who's actually good at this? Because there's almost always somebody who's better at it or at least has the potential uh, to be better at it. So to get back on topic, oh, we are on topic. I, I think that's, mm-hmm. but connect it. Let's connect it yeah. back to the ideal parishioner is one who knows themselves uh, is growing yes. in, in knowledge, but also knowing what God is calling them to knowing how mm-hmm. to use their gifts for the glory of God coming yes. fully alive in that. So that's, that's where I just wanted to make sure we're connecting that back. Like we just yeah. went on a, on a long sort of tangent yeah. about uh, life hacks and, and, uh, and using strengths finder and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, but, but it's not, I mean, those, those are things are, I think it's, I can't remember if I talked about this last week or if it was something else, but like strengths finder is not, or Clifton strengths as they call it now is not just mm-hmm. some sort of life hack. It is integral to growing in self-awareness of knowing how to serve God uh, in, in the maximum way. Right. Well, it's kind of like this, it's kind of like the, uh, you know, the so- sociological or psychological equivalent of like knowing your blood type and your, your vital numbers. Um, there's, there's some science behind, okay, how am I made? How do I tend to think and react uh, and receiving yourself as a gift and then being able to give yourself as a gift? Um, I, I would say one other thing, Father, like in addition to like this ideal parishioner, or again, you can insert parishioner, you can insert volunteer, catechist. Not only are they self-aware, but they're also joining in like the fundamental mission of the organization. And again, for parishes, when we've accidentally collapsed our mission to be all about self-preservation, what we end up doing is raising up consumers. And that's, that's never been, I mean, it's, it's so painful when we see it in ourselves or in our people when we're not happy with what we're getting uh, and we, we tend to disengage. But man, the, the cure for that disengagement is at least in part rediscovering our identity. It's like, no, there's this, this little community we call a parish has a mission. And the ideal parishioner is engaged in that mission, right? They're like, they're out and, and about because, I mean, you know, most priests don't get a chance to show up in the boardroom uh, very often. That's, that's, the, that's the layperson's job. Yeah. So what are some tools? I've already talked about Clifton Strengths. And by the way, quite mm-hmm. honestly, I think, well, I don't want to volunteer other people to, to do this, but if you haven't taken Clifton Strengths, we, as in like the Archdiocese of Omaha, would be happy to not only, well, I don't know if we'd pay for it, for it it's not that expensive, but we would do your coaching, right? So there's mm-hmm. many of us who are trained, uh, certified uh, Gallup trained coaches. In fact, I did my research certification last night. I p- passed my test. Uh, so I'm Way still certified and, uh, but, uh, yeah, basically I, cause 
again, people ask, why are you guys into that strengths thing? Like, what does this have to do with the gospel? Like, because it's so foundational to becoming the person that God is calling you to be. And it just, and there's all kinds of benefits too. So we'd be happy if, if anybody wants to, you can mm-hmm. uh, message Jen, uh, who else is on there? Jen, Andy, mm-hmm. Jim, myself, uh, there's a few people else on here. Um, and if I miss you, I'm going to train uh, Tom Crowley, how to be a strengths coach here in a little bit mm-hmm. in a couple of weeks. So uh, Whitney also, uh, I'm going to train her up and, uh, or do be- do the best I can. But uh, you can, if you kind of know one of these people, you can just, uh, you know, message them and say, I would love to learn more about my strengths and we'll help you. Uh, we'll do that for absolutely free. That's what your AAF money and the, mm-hmm. your parish tax, that's, 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 we want to use that to, uh, to build up the body of Christ um, in, in our parishes and in our, in our schools. So happy to well, help you with that. Because it's so vital. I mean, yeah, if we really talk about everybody's thinking about offertory and cash flow right now, and those things are real, but the, the, the most precious resource for, for any parish are those leaders that are self-aware, that know how they're made, and put themselves at the service of the core mission of the parish, right? That is the, the making of disciples. Um, so, yeah, there's a, yeah. there's a lot of cool tools. Yeah, so there, yeah, there's cool tools. So Clifton Strengths is sort of a natural, what are your natural talents? There's right. other things that we're Christians, so we, we can add on, we can sprinkle a little spirit on there. And mm-hmm. we have something called the, the charisms. Um, and yes. uh, I'm not as familiar with those. I have never done a workshop. Or, I mean, I've taken whatever, some online $2 mm-hmm. test or something like that. But uh, I always think, what's the difference between like Clifton Strengths and like learning about your charisms? The, the Clifton Strengths are your natural talents. Right. Your, your yep. charisms are supernatural talents. Supernatural. And there is a, a wonderful, those of you who are familiar with uh, Sherry Waddell, of um, her book, The uh, Forming Intentional Disciples, was just kind of like a, a landmark book uh, for the new evangelization in the United States. It's, it's still probably the most influential book uh, on that. Um, what most people don't know is her work, before she kind of exploded on the scene as an author, was uh, running the Catherine of Siena Institute, um, uh, these called and gifted workshops, helping people recognize the particular ways the Lord had gifted them, right? Charism means gift, the charisms uh, that they've been given. uh, And uh, she wrote a book recently, right, called Fruitful Discipleship. Um, It provides kind of an intro. Um, There are a number of workshops and assessments you can do um, in town, to give a shout out to, say, uh, to Charlie Hoover at St. Gerald's. Uh, Charlie's a facilitated trainer. A number oh. of parishes through the archdiocese have done called and gifted workshops. Really a fabulous way to help you start to recognize how you've been made, um, where, the, where the spirit of God really moves through you in your service. And it all, it's all about self-knowledge. Again, I, we haven't even gotten into, you know, we've gotten to a little bit, but it's, I always it's the self-knowledge is really the gateway to discernment. And, and, yeah. and so I want, I want my people to, ideally, I want people to become self-aware. And, but also, I think they would want me to be self-aware. <laughs> like the ideal priest is somebody yes. who's self-aware, how I come off, what, what I'm good at, what I need to delegate to other people so that we can move things forward. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, Jim, it's, uh, we're getting here uh, close to the end. Did you have any comments? Otherwise, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring some questions in here from, from the chat room. 
Well, I'll throw out just one other thing for parents. You know, some of the best parenting advice I ever got was to remember that as a parent, you're trying to raise adults, not kids. I mean, they are kids and you have to, you know, respect their, uh, their growth and development, but the, right, the, the real goal is to raise them as adults. Um, that gets, it's really challenging in the toddler years, really challenging in teenage years. Um, for those who are interested, uh, there's a wonderful uh, resource from a group called Axis, um, just like the evil empire, A-X-I-S, uh, Axis. Uh, they provide really, really fantastic resources. Uh, How many for, really? Like really, really, or just really? I think three really. Really, 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 really? Yeah. really, really, really great resources. Axis? I use Axis for my hair. Yeah, no, different, not the AX, yeah, like the Evil Empire, uh, only the- AXIS, teen resources? Yeah, they, they have resources uh, for parents, youth ministers, campus ministers, um, cool conversations kit, kits, topical articles. We'll put a little sample of some of their stuff in the show notes here. Um, and uh, it's really good stuff, uh, which is particularly helpful for, um, right, I mean, some of our personal mission, it, it can manifest itself in our careers, in our neighborhoods. You know, for for many of us, for a season, our personal mission is very much focused on uh, the raising of our children and helping them find their own mission. Great. Here's a, a nice conversation from the chat room. Thanks, everybody, for, for chatting. Um, there's a conversation going on between Kathy Ashton and, and Linda Asher. So thank thank you, both, both of you. Um, but uh, I think Linda... I used to be her, her pastor, so I understand exactly what she's saying. Um, some, some good comments, some positive things, but then she says, you know, the difficulty in our parish is getting parishioners to test the water by trying a ministry to see if they have a gift for it. Even when we offer to accompany them until they feel comfortable, they still balk. Would you, how would you help her in that? Now these are, I'm assuming these are folks, right, that they, you're asking them not just to try to experience the, the ministry, but to begin to, to lead and serve. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I'm going to, I'm going to take a, a shot here. Um, and this may sound, this may sound a little, um, this may sound, sound a little harsh, but when we have two things done, uh, done the work of making the experience in a particular ministry transformational, people tend to, people really want to give back. And then the other, I think really hard, uh, hard to swallow key in this is, and I don't necessarily mean this literally, but there's gotta be term limits. There's gotta be term limits on people in leadership. Um, You know, when, when somebody, for two reasons, sometimes people just overstay and they get tired and bitter and they make, the ro- they make the role extremely unattractive. And so then it's nearly impossible to, you know, it's like, hey, would you like to be tired and cranky? Just, like, like, no, yeah, because that's what, that's what we, we've given the impression the role is. Okay, I get what you're saying. So you're saying, I think, I wasn't paying attention the whole time, just to be honest with you. Cause I'm trying that's to- right, I wasn't either. <laughs> I know. Uh, you're, so you're given the answer to, to Linda, you've said is, uh, you know, we have to have term limits for some other ministries. And I don't know if that's going to uh, help her. I, I think maybe um, people balk is because uh, they don't, they're uncomfortable with themselves and they might even be uncomfortable with you. And not, not that they have any good reason. Oh. Uh, 
I would think if you're asking somebody to lead a small group or something like that, more likely you need an even easier, an easier on-ramp, which means just have coffee with me and let's hang out and get to know each other and, and let's pray together. Let's just start there. Like form a relationship. Is that, yeah. I don't know. Well, and here's the, here's the scary thing. Some ministries actually like, right. They need to, some ministries need to come to an end. And sometimes now, I'm saying that loosely, like I'm thinking like craft fair is a ministry and I'm sorry, I'm not, in, I'm not into crafts, but like, but right. I think sometimes certain parish programs and ministries can come to a natural conclusion. And sometimes the, sometimes the tendency is to, is to think is to, to skip the, the, the question. It's like, is this still serving? Is this still changing people's lives? Yeah, it's a toughie. And I don't know if we have got a solid answer for you, um, but those are a few things to chew on. Uh, thanks for everybody for uh, listening and participating in this live version of the EquipCast. We record these EquipCasts live every Friday at 3.30 Central Time. Uh, so you can go ahead and put that in your placeholder and your calendar and uh, check us out next week because we will be back next week. And uh, the uh, topic for next week is the top, I don't know how many, the five. top myths, top five myths of evangelization. What do you think evangelization is? Uh, you might have an idea of what you, what you think it is. Maybe your pastor thinks he knows what, what it's all about. Um, and maybe they fall into these myths. I would think one of them is, is give me one. Give me one myth. What? Oh, the, uh, the uh, everything is evangelization myth, right? The, uh, oh yeah, the craft fair. That's our outreach to the, to the community. All right, one more slam on the craft fair and you're going to get fired. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> so if you're not able to join us live next week, you can go ahead and subscribe to the podcast. Uh, just search EquipCast, one word, on your preferred podcasting platform. If you want to get crazy, leave us a comment. Uh, but you don't have to because we're not going to get rich from this, but maybe it'll help somebody else find what's been helpful to you. Uh, you can also find all these show notes at our website, equip.archomaha.org. And that is it. And thanks, everybody, for joining us. Thank you, Jim. Well done, splendid, super duper. And thanks, everybody, for the chat room comments. Thank you.